Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to Vineyard Community Church as we continue on in our study through the New Testament. Um, we're, we're well in, uh, three years worth, and uh, we've covered a lot of ground uh, in the New Testament. We've covered the Gospels, the book of Acts, and out of the book of Acts we started looking through Paul's missionary journeys and, and letters that he wrote back to the churches out of those uh, journeys, and we're, we're uh, tackling um, the letters in the order we believe he wrote them. Uh, and, and that helps us to keep them in context with what's happening and all the situations that are happening with a brand new church, everything is new, and that Paul is writing these letters back to specific instances and situations that he'd been made aware of in order to help the, the brand new church. It's all within its first, you know, 10, 20, 30 years going on when Paul's doing this work. And so we, uh, we're into the book of Second Corinthians now. And we are looking at chapter 9 today. Chapter 8 and 9 kind of go together. And they, they talk about, uh, together, they sort of make a, a statement about a, um, an idea of giving in the New Testament that Paul introduces that, just for the sake of it, we're calling um, grace giving and what that looks like. And uh, it's opposed to um, the Old Testament where um, things were done out of this, this uh, duty that had lost its, uh, its heart attachment to God and Paul's reintroducing the movement of the things that we do for God should come in a response to what Christ is doing in our lives. So we're going to dig into that today, but I had a little trivia thought I thought I would share with you. It's not a joke, it's an actual thing. I was just curious. Um, uh, have, how many of you have ever heard the expression, it's a red letter day? So some of you have heard red letter day. Uh, how many of you have any idea where that comes from? Anybody got the church background? Red letter days are um, days that, that uh, popped up in around the middle of 1500s with the introduction of the Book of Common Prayer. And what they would do was they would mark the calendars of festival days or feast days um, with, a, with a red letter. Um, the, all the days had letters to help you pick out where the Sundays were every year. Kind of an interesting thing. Um, but these, these uh, holy days in the church were, were given a red letter and over time that be known as a sort of a festival thing that became a red letter day. Today happens to be a red letter day in church history. It's a very minor, but it's a, I, I was reading about it. It's actually a, a day where they, um, they sort of honor, not, you know, we don't worship old saints, but they kind of honor James, the brother of John. And uh, it made me read about him a little bit because just fascinated in those things. And it, uh, James and John were two of the sort of three guys that were closest to Jesus and um, we, we hear a lot about John and Peter and less about James I think you know most of the time you're, there, there's a lot of discussions about Peter because of all of his time in the Acts and then John because of what he wrote but the Apostle James we don't talk about that much uh, and um, one of the things that happened to James we read in the New Testament is he was the first of the, the apostolic band who was um, martyred who was killed Herod killed him um, and uh, he was the first one. I'm, Stephen was one of the first guys in the, in the sort of group uh, in, in Acts, but um, uh, of the guys that actually were hanging with Jesus, that group of 12, um, other than Judas, who went out early, uh, James was next. And, and so uh, was, he, uh, he was known with John, they were called the Sons of Thunder, and, and the reason was, because I, I think this is interesting too, um, they... They had, uh, they had tried to preach the gospel in a town and it wasn't received 
and they went back and asked Jesus, can you just call some fire down on those people because they're not listening to us. And Jesus looked at him and goes, that's really not what we're all about. <laughs> and uh, it's okay, you just tell them and then they get the opportunity to respond or not. And I always get a kick out of that. I think that's funny. And that was, uh, John, John and James both did that. Uh, and why I think it's a kick, you know, because John lived a long life. James, his brother, was, was uh, like I said, martyred early uh, in, in the church's history. But uh, John lives a long life. And at the end of John's life, all his writings that are included in the New Testament, almost every other word is about love. And so I love to see how God is at work in us to go from, um, to go from this guy who when he, his, his message wasn't received, he's like, let's just burn him up, to, to the guy who talks about the love of God through almost everything after all he lived. is, is interesting to me to see how um, it brings me hope because God changes us. He's at work in us and he changes us. And, and Jesus saw all the good stuff in John right off the bat and James and uh, how it walked out in their lives. And, and that's how he sees us. He sees all the good stuff in us. And then uh, as he works with us and as we yield to the Spirit, the other stuff gets worked out over time. So anyway, it's a red letter day. And uh, now you know where the expression comes from. Absolutely no extra charge for that bit of trivia. All right, so we're in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. We're going to do chapter 9 today. We looked at 8 last week. And just as a review, Paul... Um, as he does in, in uh, his whole presentation, um, he has a confidence in the early church people that's based on the reality of Christ in their hearts. And so when he talks about giving and sharing, he's not trying to coerce them or manipulate them or do anything else. He's just trying to encourage them, look, now uh, I, I just want you to respond to whatever God's doing in your life and what Jesus is doing in your heart uh, when it comes to giving uh, in um, this thing. And there's a He's talking about a, an offering that's being taken up to help the church um, in areas of the world that's undergoing famine and persecution. They're not doing very well. And the Corinthian church and some of the churches around them are having a pretty good season. And it was just Paul's idea as he looks at the church. He sees it as one, one big universal church. And he's saying to the, the ones that have sort of a, a plenty, look, you know, why don't you give a little right now and help those people and then when the time comes and you're maybe having some some issues then they might be doing better they can help you on the way back and and so he's introducing that idea um he sort of uh, uh reminds us to reflect on the attitude of jesus when it comes to possessions uh in in the the earth that um as a believer we're not supposed to trust in those things uh, nor consider our material things treasures um, because they don't last and they have a tendency to get us off track. And it's not that those things are bad. Um, it, it's just that they can't be where we put our hope. And yet we live in a culture that tells, that tells us constantly it's all about those things that make life. And that's counter to what Jesus taught. And Paul um, reinforces that and, and reminds us sort of uh, in, in the way that he teaches about Jesus' statement that you can't serve both God and money. And that, that so we're, it's a... It's a constant thing that Paul's trying to help us with to be set free from um, the troubles that come along with putting, getting money out of, uh, out of priority um, in our lives from where God ought to be. 
And if you remember last week, I said he, Paul used a couple of examples. He talked about the Macedonians first, who were giving out of actually a very difficult situation to this offering to help other places. And then um, he, he uses Jesus as the ultimate example, as one who gave everything for us, that, that he stepped out of heaven and, and took on uh, you know, flesh and went to the cross on our behalf as the picture of what it means to really give uh, in a significant way. And uh, he also talked in chapter 8 uh, about the importance of a willingness to give, which the Corinthians had displayed, and he was blessing him for that, because uh, the, a willingness to respond, um, the willingness is more important than, than the amount. And uh, he was making that point. He was saying, you know, if you have a willing to give, and you pray, and you give what God tells you to give, and you do it, that's what it's all about. And so it's, it's, it, it's significant whether you, you are giving out of the little bit that you have or whether you're giving out of the lot that you have, it's a willingness to do that and uh, to, be, uh, to be motivated by God and, and what he's doing in your life. So that's where we were at. Now, as we move into chapter 9, um, one of the things that I, I want to mention as well is the word that's used here in the New Testament for giving is a fascinating word because we use it for other things and it's the word koinonia which is about fellowship and community and and uh the the word means sharing and so the the idea that paul is getting to in this is that that it's just in the same way that we're to share our lives in community we're looking for ways to share with others and that's where the idea that we have of, of being radically generous and radically hospitable to people sort of come from so we want to you know, we, we go out of our way to try and make people comfortable here when they come and, and to, uh, to bless people with a nice meal. And uh, we go out and do car washes and give people a dollar. Uh, that all springs out of this desire to share with others and encourage them about the love of God and, and what that looks like. So hang on to those. And, and uh, we're going to do only 15 verses in Second Corinthians 9. And I'm going to uh, pick it up here in verse 1. And I'll read them to you if you want to follow along. It should be in your notes or you can pick up one of the Bibles in, uh, in the rows of chairs. Follow along with me. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 1 through 15. There is no need for me to write to you about the service to the saints. For I know your eagerness to help, and I've been boasting about it to the Macedonians, telling them that since last year you and Achaia were ready to give, and your enthusiasm has stirred most of them to action. But I'm sending the brothers... In order that our boasting about you in this matter should not prove hollow, but that you may be ready, as I said you would be. For if any Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to say anything about you, would be ashamed of having been so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in advance, finish the arrangements for the generous gift you had promised. Then it will be ready as a generous gift and not one grudgingly given. So that ties in with what I was talking about last week. Um, this gift, they've talked about it for a year and Paul's used their enthusiasm with the Macedonians and told them, hey, they're going to, the Corinthians are really up to, to something and, and that's caused them to do some stuff. And now Paul's saying, remember what we talked about, you guys have followed through, right? And uh, he said, just in case, I'm sending some guys, not to manipulate anything, just to make sure that they're doing what they said they would do. And that's what's happened. Verse six, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good 
work. You should uh, underline that verse somewhere, take it home, write it down in your Bible, scribble on the side note. That's a very important verse. I want to read it again. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. That word all, if you look it up in the dictionary, you know what it means? All. Very good. As it is written, he has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You'll be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Blessed be the word of the Lord. Okay, so um, Paul introduces in, in these verses, you know, the first five verses or so were kind of a continuation of last week and making sure that they were ready with what they said they were going to do. Then in, starting in verse 6, he begins to talk about sowing and reaping. And the, you probably know that is that you reap what you sow. You've probably heard that. This is a very significant kingdom of God principle that I want to talk to you about because it applies to every area of our lives. Um, it is not a promise that if you give $10, you'll get 100 in return. That's not what sowing and reaping is all about. Um, the economy of God is, a, is an affirmation of God's ability to outgive his people, which he does, but he does that in lots of different ways. And Paul even said, it's not, it's not just a, a money thing. It's about God's grace abounding to you in every area of your lives because of your willingness to be generous with your lives in response to what Jesus is doing. So it's, a, it's really, it's an entire attitude of life. That verse 8 speaks into, he's, God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. So what's to happen with us as believers and what Paul is emphasizing is that as we begin to know and understand that God is the one that takes care of us uh, in every way that frees us from a fear that's produced culturally um, in, in this area by um, something I like to call a spirit of poverty. Um, and because and that's what grips a lot of people and makes them fearful and, and have a difficulty in responding to what God is doing in our lives in a lot of areas. And, and I'm not talking about poverty. I'm talking about a, a spirit of poverty where we, we get this idea that if we don't hang on super tightly to everything, then, then somehow we're not going to be taken care of. And, and this thing gets on us that, you know, if something's going to be and then it's up to me. And the problem is we can't experience the freedom that we should experience in the grace of giving if we're consumed by a spirit of poverty. So Paul, uh, who is so cool about this in, in the way that he, he talks about these things, in verse 7 he said, look, everybody should give what they've decided in their heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And so, you know, I, I always 
try and make people hear this. Um, Giving in any area in response to what God is doing in our lives is a joyful thing. And it should be a joyful thing. It should be something that's a, that's a cheerful thing. It, it shouldn't be something that, you, uh, that you're reluctant to do. It should never be something that you feel manipulated to do. And I've even told you, uh, anywhere you are, if you feel manipulated to give money, don't do it. If it has a, even a hint of manipulation in it, don't, don't respond to it. Because it shouldn't. You shouldn't be co- coerced. Um, it, you know, uh, in the church, if needs are presented, they're presented, and then everybody gets to pray about it and just do what God tells them to do. That's, that's how it's supposed to work. That, that should be the extent of it, and then because of God who is, he takes care of those things. So uh, in that, there's a, there's a freedom that comes that allows us to uh, not have much of the concern that the world has about every little zig and zag of life. Because we can trust in God. We know that God's got us. And, and so no matter what, what's going to happen, God's got us. It doesn't matter um, what lies ahead. Sometimes people have, uh, and, and uh, not picking this in the judgment, the lovely people have a tremendous concern about the end times and what that looks like. And they actually begin to plan ahead in this life for what might happen at the, at the end of a... Uh, when, when all, if everything goes haywire and we're still here. Does that, anybody understand me? And so they kind of like start stockpiling and stuff. I'm not judging anybody if they do that. Um, but see, to me, that's, that, that seems to come from a fear. Here's my thought, that if something cataclysmic does happen and we're still here, the same God who takes care of me now takes care of me then, as long as there's stuff for me to do. And when there's not, I get to go and be with him. So I don't need to be a, you, know, you know what I mean? I just, or, and at, at the very least, I just need to know a few people that are stockpiling, and I'm good. <laughs> they got to sleep sometime, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just saying there's a, sometimes we get, see, to me, that's just, we're hanging on to, oh man, I, well, we better, we got to get everything ready, and, you know, uh, you don't. You've got to trust God. And then he takes care of it. I'm not saying we don't ever make plans. Of course we do. You make plans for, as you, know, as you get older and stuff, those, those, that just makes sense. But God's still the one that's going to take care of you. And there's a freedom that comes from recognizing that that allows you to kind of enjoy life a little more because it's not all on you to make all that work. So um, that's what giving should look like. It should have that feel on it. It should never feel manipulated. It should never feel coerced. It should never feel like that's just on and on and on and on, um, as far as I'm concerned. That, that's not what it looks like, and it's certainly not what the Apostle Paul taught. Now, this concept, though, of sowing, whenever, I, whenever it comes up, I like to talk about it more because it has um, connotations in other areas of life. Uh, it, it, it works in other areas of life because it's a kingdom of God principle. Uh, what you sow, you reap. And... and it's always, it's always a good thing because of the mercy of God, but let me tell you how um, it works and how it's supposed to work, and, and just so we can be aware, aware of it. Um, it's a great principle when you're trying to learn to live by doing the next right thing. Because when you, when you sow into doing things that you should do, um, life will proceed in a better fashion. Um, it's not a promise that you never have issues because of a fallen world, broken planet. Don't hear me that. But that's what should happen. When you sow into things that you shouldn't do, 
there are consequences that come from that that are there to help you not continue to do the things that you shouldn't do. Does that make sense? There, there, are, there are consequences for not doing what you should do that are just there to help you along to doing the right thing um, because life is found more, more clearly in doing the right thing. And so um, if you sow into the, 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 the kingdom of God by trying to do the next right thing, you should begin to experience some things in life that, that are better for you because that's where life is found. If you, if you keep making choices that you shouldn't, there's usually some repercussions. And again, that's the mercy of God to trying to get you to make some changes because that's not where life is found. But here's, here's what we need to be aware of in sowing and reaping. Um, a lot of times, people that we're in relationship with in different ways, in, in different areas, they will, um, their actions, they might have some actions that they're doing, and, and there, there's consequences from their actions that need to get on them, and yet, because we, we love people sometimes, sometimes we step in the way of those consequences. I don't know if anybody's getting me, but I hope you are. And so, so sometimes a person's actions, you're always going in and cleaning up the mess behind them, and they're not dealing with the consequences you are. And what's really happening is you're getting in the way of a God-given principle of reaping and sowing when what you really need to do in those situations is duck. That's yours. Uh, that had nothing to do with that. Oh, but, 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 but that's the most loving thing you can do is allow people to experience the economy of God in sowing and reaping in every area of their lives. And if there's things that aren't right, don't fix it. Because it allows them to continue to move in directions they shouldn't. And so the kindest thing you can do, and it's, it's, it's what God does too. You know, look, here's the, the, the one break in this deal um, that we're very fortunate for as far as um, sowing and reaping goes is that the sin that we've all sown, um, the consequence that we've all reaped for that is death. And Jesus stepped in for us and reaped that at the cross. That's a biggie. So that we don't, we're not experiencing that consequence anymore for our sin. Jesus took it to the cross so we can have life everlasting. That's, that's the instance. But in, in the rest of this stuff, um, God in his great mercy allows us to deal with some um, consequences to what we do in order to help us make better choices. That's a loving father thing to do. And, and so I just put that out there sometimes because uh, oftentimes I'll, I'll, I'll have people that will come to me with a situation and, and, uh, and, and maybe, maybe it's in a family and someone in that family's not really doing things that they really ought to be doing. And everybody else in the family is a big mess because of it. And they'll say, hey, can we talk to you about this? Sure, come on. And, and I'll have everybody in the family there except for the one that's causing the problems. And I'll say, well, where's that one? Oh, well, he's out fishing or something. So, well, there's your problem. <laughs> Get him in here. And, and it should only be him in here. And the rest of you just stop whatever you're doing that's allowing him to continue to do what he's doing. So anyway, think about that sometimes. And there's some freedom in there. I know it's not always easy, but it's something that uh, we need to do. So it's a very, uh, very important kingdom of God principle, sowing and reaping. And, and so if we're sowing in the best that we can to doing what we should do, then, then life seems to go uh, all in all better. Not perfect, because it's a fallen world. And, you know, sometimes we experience 
um, bad things from people. We don't have any idea who they are, and their stupid decisions have consequences. That's just fallen world, broken planet stuff. There's really not much we can do about that, other than knowing that Jesus has us forever, and that's a good thing. Um, but uh, it, it, <laughs> life's just overall better when you're trying to walk it his way. That's all I know from having walked this thing both ways. That uh, it's much better trying to go after him. Then in those last few verses, 2 Corinthians 9, 12 through 15, um, Paul talks about the idea of this, this willingness of sharing and grace giving has amazing outcomes. Um, it helps to supply the needs of God's people. Uh, it makes us, Paul says, more thankful and encourages us. It allows us to see the faithfulness of God who's able to provide for us when we bless others um, with even more uh, as, as we share that through us. And so we, we learn about um, God's faithfulness in the process and it makes us more thankful. We, we, we finally realize over time that everything belongs to him anyway and, and then really our, our point is just being yielded enough to the Spirit to begin to listen to figure out what is that he wants us to do and what isn't. Because there are needs and stuff that, aren't, that you don't, you know, other people will step up to because God has them to do it and there'll be situations and it's just a willingness to get in there and listen and, and pray it through. And there's a tremendous freedom in there, a tremendous blessing because you, you ultimately know then that it's God that's got you and you don't really have to worry about anything. He's got you. He'll take care of you. You're trying to do the next right thing. We're not being silly or frivolous or anything. We're just listening and, and moving in that direction. And so that's sort of the idea that Paul's introducing there in, in this idea of grace giving in chapter 8 and 9, just a, a willingness to respond uh, in the kingdom to, uh, with, uh, at the level that, you know, that Christ is moving in your heart and being willing you know, to, to encourage people, to bless people, to be thankful, to, to do all those things. That's all part of what this looks like. It's, uh, it's all a part of uh, every area of our lives getting outside of ourselves and, and seeing how we fit into his story and then moving into it and, and uh, being uh, the willingness to do that, to, to get outside ourselves and to love people well and encourage people, make a difference here in the world is what it's all about. So we'll end it there for today. If you're watching uh, by video or on television, thank you so much for spending some time with us. We appreciate uh, you doing that. We know how valuable your time is and uh, we, we hope to see you again soon. And if there's anything we can do, go to our website at keysvineyard.com and send us an email and we'll be praying for you. But uh, we're going to go ahead and call it a night there.